Part 1, Section 1 of Experiments and Observations on Different Kinds of Air by Joseph Priestley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Part 1 Experiments and Observations Made in and Before the Year 1772. In writing upon the subject of different kinds of air, I find myself at a loss for proper terms by which to distinguish them those which have hitherto obtained being by no means sufficiently characteristic or distinct the only terms in common use are fixed air mephitic and inflammable the last indeed sufficiently characterizes and distinguishes that kind of air which takes fire and explodes on the approach of flame but it might have been termed fixed with as much propriety as that to which dr black and others have given that denomination since it is originally part of some solid substance and exists in an unelastic state all these newly discovered kinds of air may also be called factitious and if with others we use the term fixable it is still obvious to remark that it is applicable to them all since they are all capable of being imbibed by some substance or other and consequently of being fixed in them after they have been in an elastic state the term mephitic is equally applicable to what is called fixed air to that which is inflammable and to many other kinds since they are equally noxious when breathed by animals rather however than either introduce new terms or change the signification of old ones i shall use the term fixed air in the sense in which it is now commonly used and distinguish the other kinds by their properties or some other periphrasis i shall be under a necessity however of giving names to those kinds of air to which no names had been given by others as nitrous acid and alkaline part one section one of fixed air it was in consequence of living for some time in the neighbourhood of a public brewery that i was induced to make experiments on fixed air of which there is always a large body ready formed upon the surface of the fermenting liquor generally about nine inches or a foot in depth within which any kind of substance may be very conveniently placed and though in these circumstances the fixed air must be continually mixing with the common air and is therefore far from being perfectly pure yet there is a constant fresh supply from the fermenting liquor and it is pure enough for many purposes a person who is quite a stranger to the properties of this kind of air would be agreeably amused with extinguishing lighted candles or chips of wood in it as it lies upon the surface of the fermenting liquor for the smoke readily unites with this kind of air probably by means of the water which it contains so that very little or none of the smoke will escape into the open air which is incumbent upon it it is remarkable that the upper surface of this smoke floating in the fixed air as well defined whereas the lower surface is exceedingly ragged several parts hanging down to a considerable distance within the body of the fixed air and sometimes in the form of balls connected to the upper stratum by slender threads as if they were suspended the smoke is also apt to form itself into broad flakes parallel to the surface of the liquor and at different distances from it exactly like clouds these appearances will sometimes continue above an hour with very little variation 
when this fixed air is very strong the smoke of a small quantity of gunpowder fired in it will be wholly retained by it no part escaping into the common air making an agitation in this air the surface of it which still continues to be exactly defined is thrown into the form of waves which it is very amusing to look upon and if by this agitation any of the fixed air be thrown over the side of the vessel the smoke which is mixed with it will fall to the ground as if it was so much water the fixed air being heavier than the common air the red part of burning wood was extinguished in this air but i could not perceive that a red-hot poker was sooner cooled in it fixed air does not instantly mix with common air indeed if it did it could not be caught upon the surface of the fermenting liquor a candle put under a large receiver and immediately plunged very deep below the surface of the fixed air will burn some time but vessels with the smallest orifices hanging with their mouths downward in the fixed air will in time have the common air which they contain perfectly mixed with it when the fermenting liquor is contained in vessels covered up the fixed air on removing the cover readily affects the common air which is contiguous to it so that candles held at a considerable distance above the surface will instantly go out i have been told by the workmen that this will sometimes be the case when the candles are held two feet above the mouth of the vessel fixed air unites with the smoke of rosin sulphur and other electrical substances as well as with the vapour of water and yet by holding the wire of a charged vial among these fumes i could not make any electrical atmosphere which surprised me a good deal as there was a large body of this smoke and it was so confined that it could not escape me i also held some oil of vitriol in a glass vessel within the fixed air and by plunging a piece of red-hot glass into it raised a copious and thick fume this floated upon the surface of the fixed air like other fumes and continued as long considering the near affinity between water and fixed air i concluded that if a quantity of water was placed near the yeast of the fermenting liquor it could not fail to imbibe that air and thereby acquire the principal properties of pyrmont and some other medicinal mineral waters accordingly i found that when the surface of the water was considerable it always acquired the pleasant acidulous taste that pyrmont water has the readiest way of impregnating water with this virtue in these circumstances is to take two vessels and to keep pouring the water from one into the other when they are both of them held as near the yeast as possible for by this means a great quantity of surface is exposed to the air and the surface is also continually changing in this manner i have sometimes in the space of two or three minutes made a glass of exceedingly pleasant sparkling water which could hardly be distinguished from very good pyramond or rather seltzer water but the most effectual way of impregnating water with fixed air is to put the vessels which contain the water into glass jars filled with the purest fixed air made by the solution of chalk in diluted oil of vitriol standing in quicksilver in this manner i have in about two days made a quantity of water to imbibe more than an equal bulk of fixed air so that according to dr brownrigg's experiments it must have been much stronger than the best imported pyramid 
for though he made his experiments at the spring head, he never found that it contained quite so much as half its bulk of this air. If a sufficient quantity of quicksilver cannot be procured, oil may be used with sufficient advantage. For this purpose, as it imbibes the fixed air very slowly, fixed air may be kept in vessels standing in water for a long time, if they be separated by a partition of oil about half an inch thick. Pyrmont water made in these circumstances is little or nothing inferior to that which has stood in quicksilver. The readiest method of preparing this water for use is to agitate it strongly with a large surface exposed to the fixed air. By this means, more than an equal bulk of air may be communicated to a large quantity of water in the space of a few minutes. But since agitation promotes the dissipation of fixed air from water, it cannot be made to imbibe so great a quantity in this method as in the former, where more time is taken. Easy directions for impregnating water with fixed air I have published in a small pamphlet, designed originally for the use of seamen in long voyages, on the presumption that it might be used for preventing or curing the sea scurvy, equally with wort, which was recommended by Dr. McBride for this purpose, on no other account than its property of generating fixed air by its fermentation in the stomach. Water thus impregnated with fixed air readily dissolves iron, as Mr. Lane has discovered, so that if a quantity of iron filings be put into it, it presently becomes a strong calibate, and of the mildest and most agreeable kind. I have recommended the use of chalk and oil of vitriol as the cheapest, and, upon the whole, the best materials for this purpose. But some persons prefer pearl ashes, pounded marble, or other calcareous or alkaline substances, and perhaps with reason. My own experience has not been sufficient to enable me to decide in this case. Whereas some persons had suspected that a quantity of the oil of vitriol was rendered volatile by this process, I examined it by all the chemical methods that are in use, but could not find that water thus impregnated contained the least perceivable quantity of that acid. Mr. Hay, indeed, who assisted me in this examination, found that distilled water, impregnated with fixed air, did not mix so readily with soap as the distilled water itself. But this was also the case when the fixed air had passed through a long glass tube filled with alkaline salts, which, it may be supposed, would have imbibed any of the oil of vitriol that might have been contained in that air. Fixed air itself may be said to be of the nature of an acid, though of a weak and peculiar sort. Mr. Bergman of Upsall, who honoured me with a letter upon the subject, calls it the aerial acid, and, among other experiments to prove it to be an acid, he says that it changes the blue juice of ternisole into red. This Mr. Hay found to be true, and he moreover discovered that when water tinged blue with the juice of ternisole, and then red with fixed air, has been exposed to the open air, it recovers its blue color again. The heat of boiling water will expel all the fixed air, if a vial containing the impregnated water be held in it, but it will often require above half an hour to do it completely. Dr. Percival, who is particularly attentive to every important in the medical art, and who has thought so well of this impregnation as to describe it in several cases, informs me that it seems to be much stronger 
and sparkles more, like the true Piermont water, after it has been kept some time. This circumstance, however, shows that, in time, the fixed air is more easily disengaged from the water, and though, in this state, it may affect the taste more sensibly, it cannot be of so much use in the stomach and bowels, as when the air is more firmly retained by the water. By the process described in my pamphlet, fixed air may be readily incorporated with wine, beer, and almost any other liquor whatever, and when beer, wine, or cider is become flat or dead, which is the consequence of the escape of the fixed air they contained, they may be revived by this means, but the delicate and agreeable flavor, or acidulous taste, communicated by fixed air, and which is very manifest in water, can hardly be perceived in wine, or any liquors which have much taste of their own. I should think that there can be no doubt, but that water thus impregnated with fixed air must have all the medicinal virtues of genuine Piermont or seltzer water, since these depend upon the fixed air they contain. If the genuine Piermont water derives any advantage from its being a natural calibate, this may also be obtained by providing a common calibate water, and using it in these processes instead of common water. Having succeeded so well with this artificial Piermont water, I imagine that it might be possible to give ice the same virtue, especially as cold is known to promote the absorption of fixed air by water. But in this I found myself quite mistaken. I put several pieces of ice into a quantity of fixed air, confined by quicksilver, but no part of the air was absorbed in two days and two nights. But upon bringing it into a place where the ice melted, the air was absorbed as usual. I then took a quantity of strong artificial Pyrmont water, and putting it into a thin glass vial, I set it in a pot that was filled with snow and salt, this mixture instantly freezing the water that was contiguous to the sides of the glass, the air was discharged plentifully, so that I catched a considerable quantity in a bladder tied to the mouth of the vial. I also took two quantities of the same Piermont water, and placed one of them where it might freeze, keeping the other in a cold place, but where it would not freeze. This retained its acidulous taste, though the vial which contained it was not corked, whereas the other being brought into the same place, where the ice melted very slowly, had at the same time the taste of common water only. That quantity of water, which had been frozen by the mixture of snow and salt, was almost as much like snow and ice such a quantity of air bubbles were contained in it by which it was prodigiously increased in bulk the pressure of the atmosphere assists very considerably in keeping fixed air confined in water for in an exhausted receiver piermont water will absolutely boil by the copious discharge of its air this is also the reason why beer and ale froth so much in vacuo i do not doubt therefore but that by the help of a condensing engine, water might be much more highly impregnated with the virtues of the Piermont spring, and it would not be difficult to contrive a method of doing it. The manner in which I made several experiments to ascertain the absorption of fixed air by different fluid substances was to put the liquid into a dish, and holding it within the body of the fixed air at the brewery, to set a glass vessel into it with its mouth inverted. 
the glass being nearly filled with the fixed air, the liquor would rise into it when they were both taken into the common air, if the fixed air was absorbed at all. Making the use of ether in this manner, there was a constant bubbling from under the glass, occasioned by this fluid easily rising in vapour, so that I could not, in this method, determine whether it imbibed the air or not. I concluded, however, that they did incorporate from a very disagreeable circumstance, which made me desist from making any more experiments of the kind. For all the beer over which this experiment was made contained a peculiar taste, the fixed air impregnated with the ether being, I suppose, again absorbed by the beer. I have also observed that water which remained a long time within this air has sometimes acquired a very disagreeable taste. At one time it was like tar water. How this was acquired, I was very desirous of making some experiments to ascertain, but I was discouraged by the fear of injuring the fermenting liquor. It could not come from the fixed air only. Insects and animals, which breathe very little, are stifled in fixed air, but are not soon quite killed in it. Butterflies and flies of other kinds will generally become torpid, and seemingly dead, after being held a few minutes over the fermenting liquor, but they revive again after being brought into the fresh air. But there are very great varieties with respect to time in which different kinds of flies will either become torpid in the fixed air or die in it. A large strong frog was much swelled, and seemed to be nearly dead, after being held about six minutes over the fermenting liquor, but it recovered upon being brought into the common air. A snail treated in the same manner died presently. Fixed air is presently fatal to vegetable life. At least sprigs of mint growing in water, and placed over the fermenting liquor, will often become quite dead in one day, or even in a less space of time, nor do they recover when they are afterwards brought into the common air. I am told, however, that some other plants are very much more hardy in this respect. A red rose, fresh gathered, lost its redness, and became of a purple color, after being held over the fermenting liquor about twenty-four hours, but the tips of each leaf were much more affected than the rest of it. Another red rose turned perfectly white in this situation, but various other flowers of different colors were very little affected. These experiments were not repeated, as I wish they might be done, in pure fixed air, extracted from chalk by means of oil of vitriol. For every purpose, in which it was necessary that the fixed air should be as unmixed as possible, I generally made it by pouring oil of vitriol upon chalk and water, catching it in a bladder fastened to the neck of the vial in which they were contained, taking care to press out all the common air and also the first, and sometimes the second, produce of fixed air, and also by agitation, making it as quickly as I possibly could. At other times, I made it pass from the vial in which it was generated through a glass tube, without the intervention of any bladder, which, as I found by experience, will not long make a sufficient separation between several kinds of air and common air. I had once thought that the readiest method of procuring fixed air, and in sufficient purity, would be by the simple process of burning chalk, or pounded limestone, in a gun-barrel, 
making it pass through the stem of a tobacco pipe, or a glass tube carefully looted to the orifice of it. In this manner I found that air is produced in great plenty, but, upon examining it, I found, to my very great surprise, that little more than one half of it was fixed air, capable of being absorbed by water, and that the rest was inflammable, sometimes very weakly, but sometimes pretty highly so. Whence this inflammability proceeds, I am not able to determine, the lime or chalk, not being supposed to contain any other than fixed air. I conjecture, however, that it must proceed from the iron, and the separation of it from the calyx may be promoted by that small quantity of oil of vitriol, which I am informed is contained in chalk, if not in limestone also. But it is an objection to this hypothesis, that the inflammable air produced in this manner turns blue, and not at all like that which is produced from iron, or any other metal, by means of an acid. It also has not the smell of that kind of inflammable air, which is produced from mineral substances. Besides, oil of vitriol without water will not dissolve iron, nor can inflammable air be got from it, unless the acid be considerably diluted. And when I mix brimstone with the chalk, neither the quality nor the quantity of the air was changed by it. Indeed, no air, or permanently elastic vapor, can be got from brimstone, or any oil. Perhaps this inflammable principle may come from some remains of the animals, from which it is thought that all calcareous matter proceeds. In the method in which I generally made the fixed air, and indeed always, unless the contrary be particularly mentioned, viz. by diluted oil of vitriol and chalk, I found by experiment that it was as pure as Mr. Cavendish made it. For after it had padded through a large body of water in small bubbles, still one-fiftieth or one-sixtieth part only was not absorbed by water. In order to try this as expediously as possible, I kept pouring the air from one glass vessel into another, immersed in a quantity of cold water, in which manner I found by experience that almost any quantity may be reduced as far as possible in a very short time but the most expeditious method of making water imbibe any kind of air is to confine it in a jar and agitate it strongly in the manner described in my pamphlet on the impregnation of water with fixed air and represented figure ten at the same time that i was trying the purity of my fixed air i had the curiosity to endeavour to ascertain whether that part of it which is not miscible in water be equally diffused through the whole mass and for this purpose i divided a quantity of about a gallon into three parts the first consisting of that which was uppermost and the last of that which was the lowest contiguous to the water but all these parts were reduced in about an equal proportion by passing through the water so that the whole mass had been of an uniform composition this i have also found to be the case with several kinds of air which will not properly incorporate a mouse will live very well though a candle will not burn in the residuum of the purest fixed air that i can make and once i made a very large quantity for the sole purpose of this experiment this therefore seems to be one instance of the generation of genuine common air 
though vitiated in some degree. It is also another proof of the residuum of fixed air being, in part at least, common air, that it becomes turbid and is diminished by the mixture of nitrous air, as will be explained hereafter. That fixed air only wants some addition to make it permanent, and immiscible with water, if not in all respects, common air, I have been led to conclude, from several attempts which I once made, to mix it with air in which a quantity of iron filings and brimstone, made into a paste with water, had stood. For, in several mixtures of this kind, I imagined that not much more than half of the fixed air could be imbibed by water, but, not being able to repeat the experiment, I conclude that I either deceived myself in it, or that I overlooked some circumstance on which the success of it depended. These experiments, however, whether they were fallacious or otherwise, induced me to try whether any alteration would be made in the constitution of fixed air, by this mixture of iron filings and brimstone. I therefore put a mixture of this kind into a quantity of as pure fixed air as I could make, and confined the whole in quicksilver, lest the water should absorb it before the effects of the mixture could take place. The consequence was that the fixed air was diminished, and the quicksilver rose in the vessel, till about the fifth part was occupied by it, as near as I could judge. The process went on, in all respects, as if the air in the inside had been common air. What is most remarkable in the result of this experiment is that the fixed air into which this mixture had been put, and which had been in part diminished by it, was also in part also rendered insoluble in water by this means. I made this experiment four times, with the greatest care, and observed, that in two of them about one-sixth, and in the other two about one-fourteenth of the original quantity, was such as could not be absorbed by water, but continued permanently elastic. Lest I should have made any mistake with respect to the purity of the fixed air, the last time that I made the experiment, I set part of the fixed air, which I made use of in a separate vessel, and found it to be exceedingly pure, so as to be almost wholly absorbed by water, whereas the other part, to which I had put the mixture, was far from being so. In one of these cases, in which fixed air was made immiscible with water, it appeared to be not very noxious to animals, but in another case, a mouse died in it pretty soon. This difference probably arose from my having inadvertently agitated the air in water rather more in one case than in the other. As the iron is reduced to a calyx by this process, I once concluded that it is phlogiston that fixed air wants, to make it common air, and for anything I yet know this may be the case, though I am ignorant of the method of combining them, and when I calcined a quantity of lead in fixed air, in the manner which will be described hereafter, it did not seem to have been less soluble in water than it was before. End of part one, section one.